At Red Barn, our pet food ingredients work overtime. They aren't just there for show. Dandelion greens work to maintain a healthy digestive system. Salmon oil works to enhance the immune system. Green-lipped mussels work to support joint health. These hard-working ingredients support your dog's active, healthy life. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Visit RedBarnInc.com to save a dollar on Red Barn grain-free canned food. Blog Talk Radio. I'm joined tonight by my co-host, Ellie. Hi, Ellie. Hi, Amanda. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Well, I'm, I just want to tell our listeners I'm at the very end stages of a, a long bout with laryngitis, so if I sound a little, I don't know, husky, <laughs> that's why. But I can I can talk again, so here I am. You have the sexy voice going on. <laughs> yeah, I got my, yeah. <laughs> um. Well, I feel like I haven't been on here for just forever, so I'm very happy to be on the show tonight. Um, and tonight, um, the heart of every show is our guests and their recovery stories, and their willingness to honestly share their experience, strength, and hope helps keep us all sober. So tonight will be an open format episode in the style of a speaker discussion meeting, and we are thrilled to welcome Liz to the show. Hi, Liz. How are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you? Good, good. So Liz is here tonight to share her experience, strength, and hope with us. And Liz, can you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and your recovery story? Yeah, sure. So my name is Liz. Um, I'm currently 23 years old, and I've been in recovery for a year and nine months now. Um, I've That's been so awesome. based over. I know it's, it kind of flew by, but um, I'm. <laughs> I'm in like a 12-step group, and I've been working on my fourth step um, right now, so that's been helping a lot to in my recovery. Um, so, anyway, should I start on my story now? Yeah. 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 I'd love okay. to hear it. So, I wanted to start off like from the beginning, from when I was like really young, um, and I know there's like some controversy over whether like alcoholism is a disease or um, if it like somehow appeared somewhere in their life, but I believe that it is a disease because ever since I was, like, really young, I could always tell that there was, like, something wrong with me, and it didn't at first emerge, like, through, you know, drinking. It kind of emerged through, like, feelings of anxiety and depression. Um, So when it first started, I was in eighth grade, and for some reason I just couldn't make it to school. So they filed, like, a truancy charge against me and all that, you know, because it's illegal for a kid to not go to school. And I honestly couldn't tell you, like, why I couldn't go. There was just something in me that, you know, I didn't fit in, and it just didn't feel 
something didn't feel right about my life. Um, so once I first started, and that continued, you know, through high school and everything, um, but then once I found alcohol, uh, that was like my coping mechanism, you know, to bury my feelings in alcohol. And I honestly think that it really doesn't have anything to do with alcohol. That was just a symptom of, you know, my disease or that was just what I turned to. So I feel like um, alcoholism and addicts or whatever you're in recovery from, you know, it's all the same thing because whatever you turn to to hide from these feelings, you know, of insecurity and doubting yourself and all that, um, I think that's the real problem that I had. So that's why in my recovery I've been, you know, working on myself a lot and trying to find where these feelings emerge from. Um, but anyway, being young at my age and not drinking, it is it does have like struggles, especially, you know, when I go out and all my friends are drinking and I have these feelings of like, you know, I'm not normal, why can they drink and I can't? Um and the thing I do hate the most is when, you know, strangers they'll ask me why I don't drink and I'll, you know, explain a little bit about it and then they'll like say, Oh, well, I'm I'm sorry. And I hate when yeah. they say that because it's like, <laughs> is it saying that it's a bad thing that I don't drink? I don't know. Like, I feel like saying back to them, you know, I'm sorry that you have to, you know, because I don't need to do <laughs> I today. That. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Because I really used to hate myself back when I drank, and drinking just made it worse. So, um, yeah, and people who aren't in recovery, I feel like they can never – fully understand how I feel like I connect with people people on a deeper level who are sober with me it's kind of hard to explain but like even um I have an older sister and she I think she's not in recovery but she kind of just accepts that she'll never really fully understand it and just lets me do what I need to do and I think that's the best approach to take on it rather than you know struggling to understand something you can't really understand unless you're in it yourself but Mm, um people who are in recovery with me it's definitely um you know when I call them and have a conversation with them it's completely different than if I called one of my friends and had a conversation you know like they kind of understand what's going on in my life and can relate to these unexplainable feelings that I have um but yeah, so, actually, yeah. Liz, also, I mean, um, this is Amanda. I was gonna say, you know, Liz is a, a friend in my personal life, and so Liz is 23, and I'm 46, so I'm twice her age, and you know, we bond. You know, we're close. You know, it's just like this amazing connection that we have. You know, just through recovery, and it would be like two people that you would never, you know, see hanging out. But I love, you know, I love hanging out with Liz, and you know, it's it's amazing. Um, just the gifts that you get from recovery and, like, how you connect on a different level, no matter age or anything. Yeah, I know. So yeah, true. that is another crazy thing about recovery, you know, no matter, like, race, yeah. age, anything. You know, it's the same core feelings deep down. Yeah. So, um, But anyways, yeah, I kind of had, like, throughout my life, like, little minor incidents and hints that I was an alcoholic. Um, like, I got diagnosed with alcohol poisoning and things like that before, but the key, like, turning point was um, I got in, like, a pretty serious car accident. Um, I was drinking and driving. I ran through a red light. I had my daughter in the car, and we hit um, another car that had kids in it. So that was, like, words can't even describe how I felt inside. I was just disgusted with myself and with where I let alcohol take me. 
you know, I didn't care about anything else going on in my life. I only cared about how I felt inside and how to get rid of that feeling. You know, I honestly, that night I got in an accident, I just wanted to kill myself. I couldn't believe the way my life was heading. I felt like a horrible mother. And just like all those little crazy voices in my head, you know, of the fear and the insecurity and all the little things I've had throughout my life just putting me down, just all like flooded my mind. And I honestly didn't know what to do. Um, So the next day I went over that friend's house and her mom is in recovery too. So she was just explaining to me, you know, about her recovery story and she offered to take me to a meeting with her. And now at this point I didn't, know if I wanted to quit drinking I just kind of wanted to find a way out so she mentioned that it'll look good for the courts <laughs> so that's what really you know, stuck in my head and that was the reason why I went because I thought it would you know look good and then once I started getting into it and finding out what it was all about you know my vision of an alcoholic started changing you know I didn't look at them as something negative I looked at it as something positive you know an alcoholic in recovery you know I'll always have this disease and this tendency to turn to alcohol or turn to other things to get rid of the feelings, but, you know, I don't have to if I keep, you know, doing the right thing and looking at myself and looking at my part in it. Mm. Um, That is so powerful. It is. I I mean, I love the fact that you talk about how, you know, we've, we've covered this in the show before that we come into recovery from so many, for so many different reasons and to so many different ways. And it's, it's probably, it, not, not probably, it is common for people's first exposure to recovery and recovery meetings to be through the courts or because we just want our lives to stop being so crazy. And, you know, I, I have a similar situation when the first time I got sober, Liz, I was there just to get everybody off my back. Like, all right, if I go to these meetings, right. they stop bothering me and I'll, you know, I'm I'm happy to just do whatever I can to get everybody to leave me alone. And, um, you know, it doesn't matter why we come at all, how we get there. And it's just, it's, it's really kind of, um, very few people, I think, come skipping into their first meeting like, "Yay, I'm so glad I'm here. Let's all get sober." You know, that's just not usually <laughs> not usually how it works. But it doesn't, you know, that that piece of it doesn't matter. It's it's uh it's really what we do with it afterwards, and the ability to stay open to to learning about new things and and not having to have decided, am I or am I not an alcoholic? I mean, I know that for myself and a lot of people, I just angsted over that for so long. Googling online, am I an alcoholic? And what are the symptoms? And taking eight million quizzes and trying to figure it all out. Like that doesn't matter, you know. It just matters that we can find other people who understand how we think and feel. And and you know, the the bottom line is it helps you feel better. It helps it helps alleviate that feeling that you're wrong or broken or different or you know. So I I love that um, that part of your story. I think a lot of people will be able to connect with that. Right, yeah, and it's still, like, I hate when people say that they're, like, fully recovered and the desire to drink completely lifted because I don't think I'll ever, you know, mm. fully get there. Like, even, like, most of the time, time just flies by. You know, I work, I'm in school, I have a five-year-old daughter, so I'm always busy with that. But then, like, for example, last night, it was Saturday night, there's so many, like, Christmas parties and stuff going on, and I was just home, I put my daughter to bed, and then, lay down and all these thoughts came like you know what is a normal 23 year old out drinking with friends having a good time and I'm here you know like feelings like that I just get so caught up with and 
about how it's not fair, you know, I'm in recovery mm-hmm. and doing the right thing and I'm here sober and I don't know, just stuff like that. But then, you know, the next day when I wake up and I have my custody of my daughter now and, you know, I'm not hungover and that's when I, you know, fully realize that it's not that fun, you know, going out and getting drunk. It's You know, it's not as fun as like this fantasy that I make it out to be. So I'd rather have this life that I have today. And I just bought my own. I just bought a condo too, so oh, that's another like blessing of recovery. <laughs> I mean, that's. All, I mean, yeah. look and think of all those that you have. I mean, you've been sober a long, long time, and the one day at a time. That's awesome. But look how many things can come in a relatively short period of time just by staying sober. That's amazing. Congratulations. Right. Yeah. And the struggles I had back then, I feel like now it's like on a whole other level. Like back then, I was like struggling with, you know other things. I don't know how to explain it, but I feel like it's on like a higher level. Like now I'm worried about, you know, paying mortgage and stuff, not about like how many drinks I'm going to get that night. <laughs> yeah. When you, um, when you have, like when you have those type of thoughts and stuff like that, because I've actually witnessed, you know, a, a dramatic change in you, you know, like, it, um, the thoughts of, you know, why do I have to be an alcoholic at, well, at that time, I was 21 years old, and, and um, you know, you know why do I have to not drink, and, and you know, feeling in, different from your, you know, your friends, your age, and stuff like that. Like, what do you do to help you move past those feelings? Because I think that's really important, um, because you can stay stuck there and just, you know, resent sobriety, but I've seen you embrace sobriety, in, like, just amazing ways, you know, can you talk a little bit about how you, you know, move past those feelings? Yeah, sure. Well, I am also in, like, um, young people in recovery groups as well. So what I did, like, last night when I had those thoughts was I immediately just called, you know, someone my age who was in recovery, and I talked to them about it. And they were doing the same thing. They had just gotten out of work. They were going to do Christmas shopping and then go home. So that just made me feel so much better, just having somebody else who's not out partying and drinking and who can remind me, you know, of where it brought me and all the blessings I have in my life. And if I can just get through nights like that and feelings like that, you know, if I look on the other side, it's, like, not even comparable how many blessings I'll have and how few consequences I'll have to pay. That is so key because I think one of the things that gets – people of any age, but is that that feeling of being different and other than. I mean, you really, you described it well in the beginning of your share about growing up and sort of feeling like we don't fit in or we don't understand the way other people think. I mean, I I do believe that people who are alcoholics and addicts, we have have different brains. We process the world really differently in a lot of ways. And so that's one of my biggest tools, too. And even if I can't reach somebody personally on the phone, just, you know, getting online or, or reading a blog or doing something that reminds me, like, I, there are so many of us out there on this journey not drinking. Like, just to, right. get, to make that feeling like I'm so different, like, poor me, and I'm, you know, there's something wrong with me. And But we're part of a, such a big, broader um, movement or community. It's really, really powerful. Yeah, Because when we're, when we're drinking, to... we just think we're the only ones. We're the only ones who right. do this, and we're the worst ever. And, that's, you know, it's so not true. Yeah, and one more thing I want to add to that was when I first got sober, something that really helped me was I made, like, a little emergency kit. If I ever had, like, bad moments, I would open it up. And it just had, like, 
like, little things in there, like chocolate and candles and little notes to myself about, you know, like a letter to myself about why I don't drink. And I, that helped, wow. like, huge when I first got sober, having that little candle. Oh, I just got goosebumps. You know, cause I you love never that so idea. Cool. Yeah, I used to love it because, you know, you never know when you're going to have those bad moments, but. Yeah. Oh, I love that. It's kind of like a bubble in a box. Like we talk about having your bubble here on the bubble hour, the things that you do to, like, you know, keep yourself safe and take do the self-care, but, you know, to have something that, like, a in the case of emergency, break open. I love that. Right. I, need, I need one of those. I definitely yeah, want something yeah. in it. You have one. Yeah, I don't That's your bubble. Anymore, but... <laughs> <laughs> but it's in your but brain. Even, like, you kind of... Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you, you just kind of it gets in, it gets ingrained in your brain. It's something, but it is. It's kind of nice. I, I like the idea of having something tangible, tangible like that you can physically touch. And for me, actually, that's always been. I keep my coin in my pocket. So, like, if I'm having a moment, you know, no matter where I am, I can just like put my hand on that and say it's going to be okay. Like, you know, this this too shall pass. You know, and it's just, um, you know, it's a feelings aren't facts type of thing, you know, like, you know, this feeling will pass. And I love how you said, you know, how you said that was like, you know, I just have to get through this and the feeling will pass and I wake up the next day and, um, you know, you feel better. You just, you you know, you can be grateful for what you do have instead of being resentful for what you don't have. We did a show on feeling your feelings and I think it's, you know, it's another thread that almost comes up in every single show aside from there's community. And then there's the fact that this is a process for learning to feel these things without our anesthesia, you know, that the feelings, you know, there's another expression about that. They won't kill you. They just will feel like they will, you know, that, you know, having things like a emergency self care kit or somebody that we can call. And sometimes I'll just, I'll just, if it's night is hard, it just is harder for me than it is during the day. I mean, during the day, I'm usually busy enough that I can just sort of move on to the next thing. But sometimes I'll just go to bed, you know, just like let's just put an end to this crappy day and, and start again tomorrow. And the gift of recovery is like we do. We get to reset. We can get up every morning and start again. It's really, that's that's definitely something that it comes with practice, I think, as we get sober. Right. Yeah, because I always have this fear of, like, missing out or where I could be, and you know, but I can't be a million places at once. So. Uh, yeah, we have a friend that calls, you know, you hear this, the FOMO, fear of missing out, and sometimes she'll just right. text me, she'll just text me FOMO. <laughs> like, yeah. She's like, I don't even know what I think I'm missing out on, but I just have that feeling. Like, everybody else is off doing something awesome, and I'm not. Like, it doesn't even matter what, that so we don't even know specifically what it is that we think we're missing. Right, yeah. Um. Another thing that I think is 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 powerful about your story too, and it's it's something that that we share and um, Amanda also, but being able to go through an experience like you did with your car accident and the legal troubles and the things that come with that, and as that happened to me. I also was arrested with my kids in the car, and um, you know that being able to come back from the shame around that. I mean, people, we all have different bottoms, we all have things that different things that bring us into recovery and. So a lot of people hit a bottom like that, and it's not what gets them to stop, but it's sort of the beginning of, like, there's got to be an easier way. But getting through that whole process of untangling 
um, legal trouble and repairing relationships with your ch- your children or your child and your family members and doing that sober. I mean, I, it's, I just really want to underscore how amazing it is that you're able to do that and stay sober and continue to work on yourself. And um, I don't, maybe you can comment. I mean, for me, a lot of that, being able to get through that was learning how to prioritize self-care. Like I feel like I felt like I behaved so selfishly, and I'd done all these horrible things, and the shame was constantly telling me like you're a bad person. So then to be able to say I need to take care of myself first, or I'm not of, of use to anybody else in my life, was really hard for me to do, because my disease wanted me to just beat mm-hmm. myself up and stay in this you're a bad person place, and the courts are saying you're a bad person, and my kids are angry at me, and my family's angry. You know, it's really quite a process to pull yourself up from something like that. And I don't know if you wanted to talk a little bit about how, you know, it is what you've been through in the in this past, you know, over a year now in terms of building that repair and, and learning how to take care of yourself and, and getting custody of your, your daughter back, whatever you're comfortable talking about. I don't want to make you talk about anything that you don't want to. Yeah, no, I can talk about it because I definitely did feel like I was stuck in like this cycle of, like, guilt, shame, remorse, and then I would just do it again to deal with all that guilt, you know, and then exactly. I'd get more guilt and shame, and I would just drink again, and I was stuck in this, like, vicious cycle. So I think I definitely needed, you know, like a big tragedy to shake me and wake me up and realize that something had to be done. So, like, when I first got sober, it was just, like, guilt, shame, remorse, and I didn't drink. So I just was, like, constantly guilt, shame, remorse, and it almost felt like I got more depressed initially and, like, mm-hmm. the suicidal thoughts and stuff. It was just horrible, like, at first. And I felt like the whole world, you know, wanted me dead and would be better off without me and my daughter would have a better life. And, you know, mm-hmm. all these thoughts just started flooding my head and I just had to, you know, white-knuckle it and surround myself with people who loved me and just listen to them. You know, because before I was shunning the people who loved me because I didn't want to hear it. You know, I wouldn't talk to them about my problems because I'd get the answer I didn't want to hear. So I would turn to, you know, the fake friends who would go out and have fun and not care about life, you know. Mm-hmm. But then when I got sober, I ended a lot of my friendships that I thought were destroying me, and I turned to my family. And now me and my sister, we have a relationship that has, you know, blossomed into something I never imagined it could be. Oh, um, and awesome. my mom, too. Uh, me and my mom never got along before, and now you know, I love her and she loves me and I'm 100% sure of that, you know. And even though she doesn't really understand recovery, I think she's, you know, just trying to support me and trying to understand it as best as she can. Mm-hmm. That's a really, so, and then come I, up a couple of times, um, Liz, and, and talking about like the, your sister and your mom and the people that are, who love you and your family and, and that whole notion of they don't really understand it but they're showing up for me. And I, I do know that there are a lot of people right. who listen to the show who, um, have loved ones that have struggled or who are in recovery, and especially you know, their parents who probably have kids that are your age that might be getting into recovery. And it's, it's really something that I, I I also want to underscore because you know we barely understand it and we're experiencing it. It doesn't the the whole idea like we don't mm-hmm. need to understand everything that's you know why the we are the way we are or did the things we did because addiction is really I think it's un it's unexplainable right. and that. But to be able to say, you know, how to all everybody just sort of be part of the solution. What what do you need from me? How is it that I can be helpful to you? Is one of the best things that you can say to somebody in recovery. Just that, you know, it's the it's the opposite of why did you and how could you and how come? I mean, we have to get through that a lot of that right. I think, to get to the point where we can say, okay, 
I don't get it, but I'm here for you. Um, yeah. But that to be able to reach that point, I mean, there's such an enormous amount of healing and such a such a hopeful message in that for people who are in the thick of it. And you think I'm never going to repair these relationships. It's no, there's no point. I had the exact same thoughts of. I've described it as I was just trying to sort of erase myself from the picture a little bit at a time because I thought everybody would be better off without me. And to be able to go from that place to having these, you know, really cool relationships with family and friends that's based on honesty and truth and authenticity and um but right. they still don't they still don't understand it either and they never will and that's okay. It's totally okay. I think that's a really a really key part of of your message too that you can still get there you don't have to make them understand that you just have to show up for yourself and then treat that show them or ask tell them how it is that they can be helpful to you yeah i think like a big factor also in my recovery was like thinking of others and not myself Mm because when i put myself you know in their perspective you know like my sister for example um I think that she would just want me to keep being sober and keep being there for her. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think she is thinking, oh, I'm better off without Liz, you know. And even, like, Mm -hmm. with the Christmas coming in less than a week, um, you know, thinking of other people, it brings happiness to yourself, too. Like, seeing my daughter's face when she wakes up on Christmas morning, you know, that would bring me more happiness than getting everything I want because I don't even know what I want, you know. Yeah. (laughs) So instead of before I was out, you know, self-seeking, trying to fill this unfillable hole in myself, you know, I didn't realize that by giving more of myself would fill it rather than taking and taking, you know. Oh, I just got goosebumps again. That's beautifully said, Liz. Wow. what a That's amazing. And very true. Now, yeah. in terms of being being your age and getting sober, I mean, I, I, one of the things that I remember about being your age was that my alcoholic drinking was very easy to go unnoticed because everybody was pretty much drinking alcoholically. It was right. sort of the way things were. <clears throat> and so definitely, like, I mean, my guess is if it isn't happening already, it will happen too, that you will also be able to, you know, thinking about being, thinking of others and being there for others, you're you're going to be a power of example for other people who may decide that they have a problem and how cool to be your age and be able to be of service to pe- other people who may see, wow, there's a better way. I don't know if that's, already happening for you, but I'm willing to bet that it will be. Right, yeah, a lot of people say that they can, like, relate, and like I said, an example, I don't know if I'm directly helping anyone, but I'm trying, and I will, hopefully. Well, just by just by being sober and doing what you're doing. And and then also, I mean, I, I wanted to start, circle back to, you talked about being in a young people's recovery group. I mean, that's something that other people may not be aware of, that there are recovery meetings that are specifically geared towards young people. I mean, they, they don't kick people of a certain age out, out the door. Anybody can go. But that um, the friends that I have that are in their 20s and early 30s, they, that's a huge resource for them because just like if you're a middle-aged mom or, you know, a working single dad or whatever your situation is, finding other people who are exactly in the place that you're at. I mean, to turn 21 and be sober, that's that's something that I I have never been through. I don't know what that's like. So you can find other people who can talk to you about things like that and um so i just wanted to circle back and say those those meanings exist and they're they're not not that hard to find and i know that they're a huge resource for people who are younger yeah and i think it really is because it helps with like the feelings of isolation like oh i'm different than everyone else i'm younger i'm this i'm that you know i deserve to drink you know seeing other people in the same place as me who have kids who you know do work and go to school and who are the same age as me it's like 
there's no excuse, you know, you can do this, they're doing it. And I think, like, also when I first got sober, I was going through so much stuff with the DUI and the classes and the $500 license reinstatement fee and all Mm -hmm. this stuff, you know, having the people who have been through the same thing. Like, they made me take um, a DUI class, and a lot of the people in the class were really young in my age, and some of them were the people who are in the groups I go to, the young people groups. So I feel like it just kind of, like, stems. Like, once you get to know one person your age, they have friends who are sober, too. And you start, you know, one by one. And then you get yourself this whole group of sober people. And it's like a big fluffy pillow, you know, because everyone's sober (laughs) and understands. And, you know, you don't have to go out and go to bars and stuff to to make friends. You know, you can just kind of meet them through people. Um, but, yeah, I think when I first got sober, my life was just uh, all the court requirements and everything. I kept my job through it all, but, you know, losing custody of my daughter and taking parenting classes and DUI classes and all these requirements, it was almost, like, unbearable. Oh, um, but so just having hard. people yeah. who have been through it was, like, the, a huge part for me. You know, you're not different. They're not, you know, making things harder on you because they hate you. You know, everyone has to do it and... You know, life yeah. sucks sometimes, but it sucks better sober, so. <laughs> yeah, I had to well, do all know. those things, too. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. definitely, and it's hard for a reason, and, you know, I, I tried not to be resentful of the whole process because I realized, like, you know, this is, thank you know, thank God this is the only consequence, like, from, I mean, it could have been so much worse in so many ways. I right. I continue to have yeah. that perspective also. Um, but it was kind of interesting being in those classes because a lot of people, it was, they, I would say there are two or three of us there that were like, yeah, I've got a problem and I'm going to get sober and stay sober. I am sober now. Um, but a vast majority of them were like, that was just really bad luck, you know, that I had. Right, yeah. And they wrong were place, wrong there, time, yeah. and the stupid cop or the stupid this. I mean, there was a lot of mm-hmm. lot of excuse making. And I can remember feeling like, wow, I'm glad that I have the opportunity to have this be a wake-up call for me instead of right. having it, you know, filing it away and, you know, basically, if you're sitting in a in a DUI class, you you you've probably got a problem with alcohol. <laughs> there, there's a yeah. rare example where it really is bad luck, but for the most part, that's not the case. Right? Yeah, and you'd be better off without it. You know. Right. Clearly, <laughs> even if you're not an alcoholic, it's not serving you well in the, in your in your current uh, right. existence. Right. Yeah. That's and very did, true. Like, so did um, Ellie and I were kind of talking about this yesterday. Um, did, uh, did your acceptance for your situation change? Like uh, we were talking about, both Ellie and I went through the same thing with the court. You know, we um, all three of us have DUIs. Woo! Um, you know, so we have this. You know, we've we've gone through the court system, and it's 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 very difficult because you know um, I know for me one of the things is you know you know I go and I remember telling you this I was like you're going to go there and they're going to treat you like dirt. Because, you know, they're not used to, you know, like Ellie said, most of the people in the class are like, oh, I had bad luck. There's not that many of us that, unfortunately, who say, okay, you know what, this happened and I got to do something about it and so I'm going to get sober. So, you know, they, they tend to expect the worst out of you. So when you go to the registry or you go to court... They can look down there, know that you at least in the beginning until they see that you you actually are trying and you're actually doing the right thing. But um, oh, where was I going with this? But like, so did your, you know, we, Ellie and I were talking about like this had to happen just the way that it did for me mm-hmm. personally. Like for me, mm-hmm. I had to I had to lose my license because my ego, my, um, you know, my 
my sense of controlling everything, you know, made you know made me think like, oh, well, I can just keep drinking, I can control it, and so I kind of needed to be put in this position where I had to get humble and 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 um, and make a major change in my life, completely change the way that I thought, and so I'm actually very grateful for everything that I had to go through, like and. Did, I know it was very difficult for you in the beginning, but was there um, a shift in your acceptance and how you looked at your situation? Because um, you, you know, on top of you know facing the courts and everything, you are also, you know, the the young age is just I, I can't even that that adds such a huge factor to it. You know, was there mm. a shift for you? Yeah, I think and, there definitely was a shift because when it first happened, it was you know my worst nightmare, and I wanted nothing more than to just I wanted to go back in time and erase it and act like it never even happened you know and I would run I even considered changing my name at one point so that I could never be connected with it again you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) so I just wanted to run from my past and hide and I was looking for any way out but now today in my life um, I was just talking my dad is in recovery too and I was just talking to him about this the other day, you know, that accident is one of the best things that ever happened to me because it is exactly what I needed. And today it is a part of me. It's a part of my life, you know. And I did get the other signs. You know, I I believe in God, so I call them like God winks. Um, and he did tell me, you know, signs that I was going down the wrong path in life um, with my drinking, and I ignored all the signs. So I'm just thankful that he didn't have to take my daughter's life or my life, you know, he let me live and carry on with my life and I didn't get hurt from the accident. Nobody got hurt. Um, So that was like a huge blessing um, from it. So now today I don't, you know, run from my past. I don't hide from it. If somebody brings it up, I do get like a little tinge of, you know, I don't want them to know about it because it is a very personal and deep and touchy story, especially if they don't understand the fact that it got me sober and I am where I am today because of it. But, um, like, there was this one girl who, you know, sent me a big, long message about it and how I was a horrible mother, and I didn't respond. And then a month ago, she just messaged me apologizing. So, you know, if other people judge me, yeah, so if other people judge me because of it, you know, that's their problem. That's not my problem. I'm doing the right thing, and I love myself today, and I think that matters, you know, more than anything, so. That's huge, Liz. That is so huge to be able to get to that point of knowing that when somebody sends a message like that or judges you that that's that's on them. That's not not a reflection of, of us at all, and in in some ways too it to me it kind of ter- it serves to weed out the people that are shouldn't be in my life anyway you know if they're toxic to me right. the old me would have just tried a lot harder to make them like me you know like oh i've got a people please to do something to make them no i they need to know that i'm a good person but to be able right, to let yeah, that like go I is that i myself, can't change yeah. their mind you know go go that's that's on you i i know i'm a good person and to have that be enough for me is it's unfathomably huge because I I never liked being in myself before. Um, you know what I love about that too is you know Liz you know when you get something like that like our automatic reaction when someone criticizes us are you know well when I back when I was drinking was to lash back like oh yeah you know you're gonna say that about me well f you you know I would I would have done something really really nasty back but you just sat on it and said okay you know that's her feeling she's entitled to her feelings. And look what happens. She apologized to you. you yeah. know, because right. you know, in recovery we learn that like, you know, 
you know, someone, people are entitled to their feelings, and they can feel their, the way that they want about me, but I know who I am and what I did and where I am today. And, like, I don't know, that's just, that is such a huge change, and it has been for me, and clearly, like, it, that's just, like, an evidence of how it pays off. I think it's one of the uh, biggest know. gifts of, of recovery is the ability to, I mean, I I had a similar situation, well, not similar, but the same feelings going through, I had to apply for jobs um, with a record, you know, I have a felony conviction now because child endangerment, and that's going to come up in a background check and going through the interview process, and when do I mention it, and well, how do I do it, and when, you know, just, that can be such a shame-filled process, and yeah. I, I didn't, I'd never been through it before, I didn't know, so what do I do? I asked several people that had and got a lot of advice and um i was able to at one point when it looked like i was going to get the job offer stop and say hey there's something that i need to tell you and to the right person i didn't announce it to a room full of people but i pulled the hr person aside i said this is going to be in my background this is what happened this is what it has meant for me in my life that by you know and i have complete acceptance and respect for whatever it is that you decide i hope it won't eliminate me from um, the you know potential of getting this job, but if it does, I understand, and I just right. you know, I, I want to be completely upfront about it and have the you know she said okay, thank you for being honest, and I have to take this to my superior and I'll let you know. And after I, I had that conversation, I sort of curled up in a ball and I'm filled you know the, the feelings still come. I was like oh I'm going to lose this job and I'm a horrible person, so I'm not going to get this blah blah blah. And then she came back about an hour and a half later and said you know we we respect your honesty and for being upfront and. You know, we do have some rules that we're going to put into place. We don't want you to drive the company car or some other things. But otherwise, um, you know, we think that that's a reflection of your ability to be upstanding and honest, and we'd love to have you on our team. And just like that, you know, getting through the feelings and understanding that whatever's going to happen is going to happen, and I can choose how I respond to it. I don't have to go drink over it. I don't have to, you know, beat myself up over it. It's just... Keeping keeping on my side of the street clean and and being able to be honest and and you know I I do have some guilt and shame over the things that I did when I was drinking but I am not ashamed of being in recovery and that comes through when you're talking to people whether it's a, an employer or a friend or a family member to be able to say I'm proud of who I am today and you don't have to accept me as I am but I do and right. it's become an asset it has it's not a liability it's become an asset of um, showing people sort of the strength of my character. And, my God, when I was drinking and, like, lying on the bathroom floor thinking my life was over, if you had ever told me that that moment could happen in my life, I would have just said there's just no way, you know. It's so cool those, the, the, how these things evolve and grow and how they change us. <clears throat> and now, yeah, and now they know I'm in recovery at work and they respect me for it. They don't think of it as a, you know, well, there's that alcoholic. They think there's that person in recovery pretty cool yeah that is pretty inspiring because i know that like um a lot of times like for me i feel like i wouldn't even take the step and have applied for the job in the first place because i just say right. oh this is what's going to happen and this is what they're going to do you know totally i would have it all figured out in my head right <laughs> right <laughs> you say this and do this and then i'm going to do this and it's all going to be awful all of it right right so the only person limiting myself it's really just myself it's not the actual incident you know you can go anywhere in life and do anything you want you know if you if you try and have faith so yeah and get out of your own way (laughs) yeah 
Yeah, because I and it doesn't always have like a quote unquote happy ending. I mean, they could have just as easily come back and said, you know what, we're just not comfortable with it, and that's where the rubber meets the road. And I'd have feelings around that too. And the thing is, I don't, I don't, I don't carry these things alone anymore. I have, you know, had that happen. I, I would have had three or four people standing right there saying, "Hey, let me carry this with you. That sucks, and I'm sorry." Right. And that's that's a huge change, you know. Instead of being alone in my alcoholic self trying to figure everything out, figure out the unfigure outable is a word I heard someone use the other day. Unfigure outable. <laughs> so I don't need to do it on my own. No. And it's, you know, and it's so cool, like, you know, it's like Liz is someone that I admire. So, okay, 23 years old, she's a mom of a beautiful five-year-old girl who's coming up to her in the background. I can hear her. I can hear her in the background. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she just, you know, she goes to school at night. She has a full-time job, you know, she um, and um, she just bought her own condo and she just turned 23. She's she's not she's she's like 23 in a in a week ago. You know, it's it's just such a, a powerful example. Such, such a powerful example of, you know, like doing the right thing how things can get so much better in your life. I really admire Absolutely. you. Yeah, I know. I think things definitely have gotten better. I'm a living example of that, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's not to say it's easy. We know how much work it is involved in that, but it's uh, it's so inspiring to have you be able to share that with our listeners tonight. Because you know, no matter how hopeless you feel, there is actually always hope. There is always hope, and that's the thing that I lost sight of the most. That that you know, maybe for other people, but not for me. And there is for everybody. Bottom line, absolutely. So Liz. How do you, you know, I, I just rattled off all these things about you, and I mean, how do you keep re- your recovery front and center? Like, how do you take care of yourself? Because your life is extremely busy, and I know that you're also very active in recovery. Like, how, um, how or why is that important to you? You know, I, I think our listeners would love to hear how you manage that. Yeah, well, I feel like there's no, like, set game plan that I have because when I first got sober, it was completely different than how I do it today. Um, But when I first got sober, I would just, like, go to meetings as much as I possibly could, and I was just trying to, like, build a network of people who were sober, too, because all I had ever known before was drinking and friends who drank, and, you know, that was what my life surrounded around, but... Um, having the accident, there was so many other factors that happened, too, that it, like, kind of um, changed my life abruptly. Like, I couldn't live with my parents anymore because they took custody of my daughter temporarily. So I didn't have my daughter in my life. I didn't have, you know, my family in my life. I had my own place. So it was kind of like a new life sort of thing at the beginning. And then gradually I started getting things back you know once I got my daughter back my recovery changed a little and then once I got you know um I went back in with my parents for a little while and then I got my own place um and then I just got my license back recently I have a hardship license um so once I got my license back it was actually I thought it would be easier but it was actually harder because now I have like the freedom you know to go drive to the liquor store or to drive to the bar you know before I felt like it was just kind of controlled like I have no choice I can't drink you know now it's like I do have a choice and I don't want to drink yeah um, but I think definitely having people to call in my life has been a huge factor and also like working the steps too um I don't know if people on, who are listening know about the steps, but it's pretty much just like turning your life over to the care of a higher power that 
things are going to happen in your life, you know, and you only have like a portion of that control. You can't control everything. So just giving that up and just seeing like, you know, it's not about what happens in life. It's about how you react to what happens. Mm -hmm. So just reacting to things differently has been huge because um, how I reacted when I was drinking was I would, you know, go out and drink or lash back at them. And now, you know, it's a huge difference how, you know, my reaction to things and not doing that, it makes me want to drink less. I don't know if that makes mm-hmm. sense, but yeah. Um, so I don't just well, so it feels better when you. Was... Yeah, no, go, go you ahead. Say it feels... <laughs> oh, I was going to say it feels it feels better. You know, having those type of reactions, like. You know, I, I remember, like, the first time something happened that was, like, crazy, um, you know, that was, like, really hard in my life. Or, you know, uh, I always, this example, in my, my boyfriend breaking up to me at, breaking up with me at 89 days sober. And in the past, my reaction would have been, um, oh, oh, so awful. Like, I would have drank my face off. I would have sent a million texts. Or, or call, actually, he didn't have texts. So I would have, like, called him 500 times. I would have, even if I didn't have a license, I would have found a way to, like, do something incredibly stupid. I would have just, like, blown up my life, and instead I just sat in the feelings, and I dealt with them, and I got Mm -hmm. through it, and I felt better on the other end. Like, the first time you do that, you're like, wow, this is so much better than how I used to do things, and then it takes practice. You just have to keep doing it, and, and then you just start to recognize, like, I just don't deal with problems that way anymore today i just i just don't like i can handle life um i think a lot of people thought that they needed alcohol to handle life and trying to explain to someone who's still drinking like you actually will handle your life better without alcohol like you'll be able to exactly what you said was i love that like i can't change people places or things i can only change how i react to them like changing your reaction to things and getting through it and realizing like, wow, that is a much better result in the long run. It might suck. It still sucks the same at the moment, but, you know, down the road after, you know, you've gotten through it, it's just so much better. And you kind of feel good about yourself. You're like, wow, I wasn't a total idiot. You know, like I, I didn't, it's just, I, I, it's kind of hard to describe. I I hope I. No, you definitely definitely did. it doesn't happen, that like, reason. overnight either. I feel like it's, like, a progressive thing, like, you know, because a lot of the things, they happen over and over again. So, uh, like, the first time I reacted, you know, completely insane. The second time it was a little less insane. You know, the third time, I feel like it just gets better and better and better. Mm-hmm. And then, like, practice makes perfect. And then eventually, like, you know, you hit a home run and you act, you know, your ideal and how you wanted to react, which is really hard to get to. And I don't think I'm, like, fully there yet. But I'm definitely better than where I used to be, you know, so just working at it. I don't think we're ever fully there. This is a really important point, too, that I I just wanted to dwell on this a little bit longer because um, I I was just talking to somebody who's got about 90 days, and and she was – I don't mean to laugh, but I, it's, 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 I just could identify so much. She was like, if I'm getting so much better, why do I feel so much worse? Mm-hmm. And the whole idea of the practice of delaying gratification, delaying result. I mean, that's just not something that alcoholics and addicts are historically very good at. You know, if we didn't like right. a feeling, we changed it or we numbed it or something else. And so trying to explain to her that, you know, this as you're getting better, it is going to feel worse because it, you're feeling it. 
you're just feeling it and that's new for all of us and that what does get more manageable over time is that we the feeling comes and the or the shame or the frustration or the resentments or the things that come we can sit in them, we can honor them, we can know that they're not going to last forever, and that if we just manage not to drink, just start there, don't drink over them, then the good things will come, but they're not going to come right that moment. <clears throat> so getting used to the fact that, the, that the, the delayed gratification piece of it, that was a huge practice for me, That but I want to feel better right now. I want that person to be not mad at me right now. I want the my license back right now, you know, those things. That um, to get there, it's just, it's you know, it's little tiny, tiny changes of behavior and reactions that happen over time. But then you look at it and you realize over time, I mean, 18 months into it, my license is back, I have a job, my relationships are repaired. It's not that long of a period of time. It's only a year and a half or almost two years for me. But in that minute, in that moment where you're feeling all those feelings, it feels like infinity. <laughs> it's not... Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the, to, to Liz, you brought up, like it doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't. But it, if you're feeling really, really uncomfortable and really crappy and like maybe things are getting worse, they're probably getting a lot better because you're doing the work. You're feeling it and you're getting help and you're reacting differently. Like it's supposed to feel differently than it did before because it is different. And, you know, somebody at 90 Days Sober when their world is sort of lying in pieces around them, it's a very, very hard thing to say, like just keep doing this because – this is this is different. You are getting better. Um, yeah, and I feel like you know, that does connect back to what I was saying earlier about, like, thinking of others and not necessarily yourself. Because before, right. like, let's say I was happy drinking. Um, my daughter was probably miserable. You know, who wants exactly. an active alcoholic mom? But now, even if I'm miserable sober, you know, my daughter is going to grow up happy. So it's like, think about the, the consequences and the people around you, you know, and just get through exactly. the hard yeah. times, even though you're miserable, because ultimately that's what's going to make me happy when I, you know, seeing my daughter have a happy, successful life is ultimately going to make you happy. So it is like the delayed gratification thing instead of just grabbing what would make you feel better about thinking about, you know, long-term what would be best for everyone sort of thing. Right, right. It's so, oh, yeah, very well said. Very well said. Your, mom, your your daughter is just the cutest little thing in the world. <laughs> she's, she's oh, I know. So she really is. <laughs> <laughs> she's like this beautiful little person, and she's just so cute. She's so cute. I know, and she acts oh. just like me sometimes. <laughs> uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> that's always interesting, isn't it? <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh, well, we're getting um, down to the end of our time, so I I guess maybe we should um, go around. And I hate to stop. This has been such a great conversation, Liz. Thank you so much for being on today. Yeah, um, thank you. I know you're going gonna, gonna to help a lot of people uh, with your your story. Um, so do you, are there any closing points that either of you would like to share um, just to leave with our listeners? Ellie, I'll start with you. Oh, my gosh. Where do I start, Liz? I, I find you incredibly inspiring. Thank you so much for being on the show. And um, I, I really I feel like you're sort of an old soul in recovery. I mean, your message is so <laughs> spot on. And you, you have a real ability to kind of take something that's very complicated and and talk about it in things that are really relatable and, and digestible. And so thank you. I think I think you're really awesome. So I'll just say that first. Um, but I, I really, I, I think the thing that I'm taking away from, from what Liz shared and what we talked about too is about how 
um, it, you know, kind of the idea of the next right thing, like just start with yourself, change, work on the things that are within your control, keep other people in mind, you know, keep the bigger picture in mind, and just keep putting one foot in front of the other, and, and things will get better. I mean, your story is such a shining example of that. And so, I mean, my greatest hope is there's somebody out there listening who really feels like there's just no way anything can get any better. And the other last point that I wanted to make, too, is, I mean, we talked a lot about consequences and arrests and DUIs and things like that. And and when I tell that part of my story, sometimes I'm hesitant because I know when I was sitting and listening to that before these things happened to me, I thought, oh, well, I guess I'm not that bad. You know, that hasn't happened to me Mm -hmm. yet. And the key part of that is yet, because if you are struggling with alcohol or, you know, you're, you know, you're listening to this show because you think you might have a problem or you're in early recovery, I mean, these, these, these things will happen. And um, so that's why we have all different kinds of perspectives on this show to sort of say like this, you know, even when the hard things happen, we can still stay sober. But if they haven't happened to you yet, then identify with the feelings and the things that we're sharing about of how it is that we get through things that are hard because, you know, that it doesn't have to be something as dramatic as DUI for, for life to be hard. So um, just take away the message of Liz's hope. I mean, that you really, you've done such an amazing job and, and uh, just really, really excited for your recovery. I know you're going to help a lot of people. So thank you. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Liz, how about you? Do you have any uh, closing thoughts that you want to share, a closing message that you want to share with our listeners? Um, Yeah, well, to branch off of what Allie was saying, I definitely think it is, you know, a progressive disease of of alcoholism. And if you can't relate, you know, to the DUIs or the consequences that happened, just connect to the feelings, you know, because that's where it all started was, you know, my mm-hmm. feelings of insecurity and depression, and then it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And I, ultimately it was me who let myself, um, let the disease grow inside of me. So, you know, if you're questioning whether you're an alcoholic or not, you probably are. So just, mm-hmm. you know, don't let it don't let it grow and don't let it take you to the place of, of misery that I was. Um, and things do definitely get better in recovery, and I'm not going to, you know, preach myself to be, you know, little miss perfect, but I'm ultimately I think that it is a higher power, it is God working in my life and I'm just saying yes to the call, you know, saying whatever he asked me to do, I'm responding um in a positive way, you know, I'm letting him, you know, lead me down the path of recovery and sobriety and I know that at this point, you know, if I went out drinking it would definitely not be the right thing to do. And it's funny how like after everything I've been through I still have, like, the built-in forgetter, you know, that wants mm-hmm. to forget that I'm an alcoholic and to think that I'm a normal person, you know. If I was an alcoholic, I wouldn't have this. I wouldn't be in school. I wouldn't, you know, and to just let that little sneaky voice creep back in my head and make me think it's okay for me to have a drink here and there. So I just hope that I keep on this path of recovery and responding to the calls I get. And thank you, Amanda, for asking me to speak on the show i definitely do feel a lot better now that i did i was all nervous before but yeah. thank you ellie for all your words of wisdom too it did it makes me feel so much better how having someone else who's been in a similar situation you know that i have and knowing that i won't be judged so yeah, yeah thank you both and i hope everyone has a merry christmas thank you oh. you too definitely 
Well, Liz, I have to say, I would never know you were uh, nervous coming on the show. You, I mean, you you spoke so eloquently, and you you really just you you describe feelings in ways that I I you know I can't even you know bring to words sometimes. And I love I love very in the very beginning of your share how you talked about when you were eight years old, and you know that you had those feelings, and you know your alcoholism, you really feel hadn't you know, very little to do with alcohol itself. It had to do with your feelings and, you know, yeah. it, it was your coping coping skill. And um, I never knew that part of your story about, you know, your difficulties going to school and it's like, wow, that makes sense. And I, you know, I, I remember having similar feelings when I was very young and I, but, you know, you just don't know what they are. You know, all you mm-hmm. know is you find the thing to cope with it and so you run with it and, and um and so it's amazing, you know. We all end up here for for different reasons, and um, I know that I'm I'm grateful to be in recovery, you know. Just you know, despite all the challenges, like I'm not ashamed. I'm not, and, and you know, I'm just I'm grateful to be here. And Liz, I'm so grateful to have you in my life. You know, it's it's funny how we, you know we just met in recovery meetings and we became friends. You know. And um, I haven't seen you in a while, and I want to see your face. And it's it's. It's just it's it's so amazing how you can connect with people in recovery and they're you know in completely different places in their lives and I'm so grateful to have you in my life, Liz, and you're just such a shining example of you know how recovery works and you know mm-hmm. how you just take it one day at a time and you know, get through things one day at a time and, you know, life just turns out awesome. I mean, I really have a lot of admiration for you as a person and as a person in recovery. So I just thank you so much for being on the show today. And so as we close the show tonight, we'd like to direct you to our parent organization, shiningstrong.org. There you will find links to all of our resources, including the Bubble Hour and Crying Out Now and other initiatives around recovery advocacy. Visit the Bubble Hour's website at thebubblehour.com to find a link to many recovery sources, including Jean's blog, Unpickled, and Ellie's blog, One Crafty Mother. Our email address is thebubblehour at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, and please let us know your feedback about tonight's show and any other topic suggestions you may have. We thank you all for listening to the Bubble Hour and hope you have a great evening. Um, so good night, ladies. Thank you so much. Bye, guys. Bye. Big news. The new Sprint LTE Plus network is faster than Verizon and AT&T based on analysis of a recent study by Nielsen. And to celebrate, we're inviting you to join Sprint for the biggest offer in U.S. wireless history. Switch to Sprint and save 50% on most Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile rates. Yep, you heard that right. No gimmicks, no tricks. You have Verizon 6 gigs for $60, 30 with Sprint. And if you have 15 gigs for $100 from AT&T, 50 with Sprint. Even if you have T-Mobile's 10 gigs for $80, we'll give it to you for 40 and we won't force you to watch video in low depth. Oh, and one more thing. Buy or lease the hottest Samsung Galaxy smartphones and get a free 32-inch LED Samsung TV. Don't wait. Offer ends December 24th. Visit a Sprint store at Sprint.com slash free Samsung TV. Speed claim based on Sprint's analysis of average LTE download speeds using Nielsen and MP data. Actual download speeds may vary by location and device capability. Offer coverage not available everywhere or for discounted phones. Excludes taxes, surcharges, roaming, and premium content. Subject to new line $36 activation fee. Credit valid porting. Plans may not be exact match. See website for eligible plans. Offer ends 1716 savings to 1880. Exclusions and restrictions apply. TV after online rebate. Subject to terms.